If this is your first time here, we just want to say that we love you. We are thankful that you're here. Um, you're welcome. Um, we're excited that you're joining us this morning. We have been going through a series um, this entire fall since the beginning of the school year talking about Jesus, um, who is God, and in his love for us, came down to earth, stepped into time, stepped into matter and space, and took on humanity to be able to relate to us. Not only to die for us, but to relate to us and show that God wants to relate to us in a way that we can understand as humans. And so, can I ask you guys, how many of you have that friend or that person in your life that's like, that's your guy, that's your, that's your girl, this is the person who understands me, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a sibling that you have, maybe it's a cousin, maybe it's someone at school, how many of you understand when it's like, you're going through tough stuff, maybe it's at home, maybe it's at school, and you're like, but I have that friend that gets what I'm going through, I can always go to them, I can always just pour out my heart to them, I can tell them what's going on, they're going to understand it, they're always going to be there for me, Jesus wants to be that for us in an incredible way, which is one of the many reasons why he came down to earth and died for our sins. And one of the things that um, we're just going to finish looking at this morning, I feel like the Holy Spirit is moving in a little bit of a different way, even just um, through the message. And so I want you to look at John 17, verse 13. And we're actually going to look at a, a passage where Jesus himself was praying to the Father. So can we say prayer together, everyone? Jesus set us an example of how to live and how to relate to God the Father. And one of the ways that Jesus showed that in his humanity was by praying. Now, many of us have probably said prayers in this room. Maybe you don't know anything about prayer, but prayer is this relationship. It's this communication that you have with God. And would you guys just think and probably agree that prayer isn't something that you just flippantly kind of take? Like, you wouldn't pray about things that are unimportant on purpose. Amen? Like, you're not intentionally going into prayer saying, I'm just going to talk about stupid stuff that doesn't matter to God. Most of the time when we pray, it's about important things. Amen? Like, we are petitioning for something to happen. Maybe it's in our lives. Maybe we're going through something that's happening or maybe one of our friends is going through something, and so we're like, Jesus, help this person in this particular circumstance. But no matter what it is, prayer can reveal a lot about our own hearts. If you want to know what's important, if you want to know what you value, look at the things that you pray about and who they center around. When Jesus prays, it reveals his heart in the same way. Amen? So when Jesus is praying... It's really, really important that we look at those scriptures because that reveals so much of his heart for us. And this is what it says. He's praying to the Father at the Last Supper before he goes to the cross to die for our sins. And he says this beginning in verse 13. He says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Them and they are referring to his disciples. He's saying these things so that they can have the full measure of the joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, this is key, I have sent them into the world. 
For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Can you say amen with me? So Jesus, in the midst of praying, touches on a really important scripture in verse 18. He says, as the Father has sent me into the world. So stop and think for a minute right there. That Jesus is equating your life and what you're going to do in this life to him being sent to earth to die for the sins of all humanity. Let me ask you something. Do you think God stepping out of the heavens into time and space and dying for humanity is a pretty important thing to do? Very important, amen? Very important thing. And yet Jesus in that moment would say, the magnitude... The depth of my love that was put into this mission is the same mission. It's the same heart that I have for each and every one of you in this life as well. Jesus is saying, don't discredit your purpose. Don't discredit the things that God has in store for you because they're just as important. And Jesus, in the same way he was sent by the Father, is sending each and every one of us. Amen. Now, Jesus also touches on something interesting in that because he says this word sanctify in here. Say sanctify with me. Sanctify is a big Bible word. The full word of it is sanctification. What that word actually means, it means two things. The first one is to be made holy. That when you come to the Lord, that when you come to know Jesus, that you're made holy, you're made pure, you're made spotless. When Jesus looks at you, when you come to him and say, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, that you're not only raised from death to life spiritually and saved for eternal life, but what it says is that your sin is as far as the east is from the west. That's what it says. It says that when God looks at you, he's not looking at you, he's not looking at your past, he's not looking at your sin, he looks at you and he sees literally Jesus. What it says in the word is that Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us to pay off our own sin so that we could appear like Christ before God, spotless and blameless and forgiven. Amen? Sanctifying, as it says in here, sanctifying by your word, the word of who Christ is. But it also means another thing. So it means to be made holy, but it also means to be set apart for a noble task, or in other words, It says a sacred task. That when you're made holy by God, that when you're forgiven and you're made pure, you have been set apart in this world for a sacred task at hand, for a sacred purpose, for a sacred identity, sacred words to speak, sacred actions to treat the people around you, sacred community around you, to build and to love people as well. That's speaking to the way that Jesus has sent each and every one of us as well. And I think to understand the magnitude of those words, you have to understand the context of it. Because Jesus is not sending us within a perfect world. Amen? This world is not perfect around us. In fact, from the very beginning when God created it, it said that because of humanity's decision to enter into sin, that sin entered into all people. We live in a sinful world. And sin is bigger than just necessarily you know, oh, I messed up this one time. But sin is like a curse. It's a nature within us that there is a bend, there is a drifting towards sin if we're not pointing ourselves towards Jesus. There is very little in between. You're either pursuing Jesus or oftentimes, as the word says, you're drifting from him. And it's more than just sin. It's more than just mess ups. But what it says is that there is an evil 
in the world. There is an enemy that comes out and to us to try and corrupt us, to take us away from the Lord. That's why in verse 15 right here, Jesus says, my prayer, say my prayer with me. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Jesus isn't saying, all right, Lord, like, Father, take them out of this evil, sinful world. He says, no, their very purpose is to save this world. They're going to be greater than the sin and the evil of this world, and they're going to save them. But my prayer is that you would protect them from what? The evil one. And that actual word in its original Greek, it doesn't just speak to Satan himself, but it speaks to evil powers that are at work in the world around us. In fact, John, who wrote this book, would later on in a letter to a church write in 1 John 5.19, he says, We know we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. See, what's important to know about our sacred tasks, to know about our identity, people who are present in this world, is that the world is very different from Christ. Amen? That... Ultimately, we are present in the world, but because of what the world is like, because of who is in control and trying to manipulate the world, the evil one, and because of sin, that we will naturally look different. Everybody say different. Now, that's, a, that's an interesting way to put it because what it says is that this, that if you're pursuing Jesus fully with your life, you are naturally going to look different. Say different one more time. You are going to look different than the world around you. That is a natural thing because Christ is going after one thing and the world is going after another. If two people have two different goals in mind, they're naturally going to go away from one another. That's why it's so significant when we all say that Jesus is the most important thing to us. It draws us all closer. But if the most important thing to us is this or this or this, we're going to be scattered in all different kinds of directions. But here what it's saying is that in the world... And who you are in Christ are ultimately two different things. That's why as you grow in Christ, you begin to realize certain things are different about the people that are around you that may not profess Christ in the same way. We believe in certain things that make us different by nature than the world around us. And oftentimes I would just say that it can be taken as a negative and it can be received in a negative way. It's not easy to be rejected for what you believe in. Amen? I think one of the most difficult things in this life, not just for youth, not just for students, but for any human being, is to feel like to be rejected for who you are. Maybe you've been in a place like that in your life. Maybe you feel like someone close to you doesn't even love you because of who you are, and you're craving that love. What I mean by that is this. It's like, you're trying to fit in. You're trying to seek approval. You're just trying to be loved by the people around you. But it seems like the kind of person you are isn't good enough for them. That can be a really difficult thing. Amen? It can be difficult to feel like people object to you or judge you or look at you as different or ignorant in some way because of what you believe in or because of what you hold firm. I, uh, I remember one of my friends was telling me a story about when he was um, in high school, he was telling me this story about how um, he was dating this girl um, who was attending um, a high school right next to him. And as the relationship progressed, he was a Christian, and so was she. But in the process, they learned some things about each other that they didn't know. One in particular was the girl at one point in the relationship said, well, if you really love me and you really want to be with me, 
you need to sleep with me. Now, the guy in that point said, well, I believe in what Jesus says, that sex is a gift for married couples, that this is something only to be given. I'm not going to give you that unless we're going to be married and commit everything. And what ended up happening is that that girl broke up with him, went and dated another man and slept with him to get whatever she needed in that. Now, that was hard. And many of us could relate to that story, maybe not necessarily those circumstances, but we can relate to that rejection of saying, you know what, I believe in this. And someone looks and says, all right, well, I don't accept you then, or I'm not going to love you in the same way like I did before and go after it somewhere else. That can be a difficult thing. And that can put you in a position where you have to address your own heart and your own faith. And one of the things my friend will tell you about that is that that was the right decision, and he doesn't regret that. That was a moment where he could have put his faith and compromised it. Everybody say compromise with me. Compromise is a tactic of the enemy. Now, compromise, maybe you've heard it in a positive sense, and it can be used in a positive sense, like... If two parties are fighting, they need to come to a compromise. They need to reconcile. We talked about that. But in this sense, what I'm talking about is different. I'm talking about a compromise like you have a set of beliefs that are here. This is what you believe. This is the truth of the word. And here's an acceptance that you want. But this cannot fit over here with this. And so what you decide is you go, well, maybe if I shave off, you know, a couple points here, just a here, there, then I can have both this in less and this approval or this thing that I'm going after. Compromise is this idea of saying, well, maybe if I give this up or this little thing up, it won't really hurt me the same way if I went all in with something. Compromise is, is a dangerous thing at its core. Because in the end, maybe you tell yourself, you're like, well, maybe if I just cuss a little bit, maybe if I just slander someone, maybe if I just say something like this, people will accept me or they'll look at me in a different light. Well, maybe if I hang out with these people for once in my life, well, maybe if I post this on my social media, or maybe if I just give this to someone, which can I just make an appeal to you guys that... Whenever you give yourself sexually, you're giving yourself away. Don't give that away to anyone unless you're willing to marry them and pursue Jesus with them. Amen? There is so much temptation. There is so much compromise in this world. But the funny thing about it is that compromise doesn't necessarily come in the form of when you compromise just a little bit, that your whole world falls apart. Because compromise is smarter than that, and the enemy has a tactic deeper than that. Because what he wants to tell you is that if you compromise here, see, you can get away with it. See, you gave up this little thing and everything is still fine. Well, why don't you push the line just a little more? You compromise this, now compromise another thing. And the danger of compromise in that sense is that when you believe that you can give up something and not pay for it, is the minute that you'll begin to apply it to all areas of your life. I want to show you a picture of the beach. This is not your typical beach visit at all. Um, these are Marines storming a coast. Many of you guys know Pastor Keith. Um, he was a Marine. He actually was a Marines instructor, so look out um, if you ever want to challenge him to a fight. And so, but one of the things he was telling me, we were having a discussion one time, and we were talking about this very issue of the enemy having a foothold in our lives. And he was talking about how in the Marines, what they would teach is that, and one of the things they practiced across seas is that when they were invading certain territories to carry out certain missions, 
that you'd have the parachutes, you have the boats, planes, and things like that, and that it would be an all-out battle to get onto the beach and to secure the beach, to get and to secure that category. And what he said was this. One of the things that we teach, or that they taught, was that if you can secure the beach, if you can get on land and out of the water, out of the plane, out of the copter, then you have it. It's done. Once you're there and once you're in the territory, you can expand from that point forward. But what oftentimes they say is that the enemy doesn't realize that. When the battle, the place where they can really be stopped is in the water is what he says. But in reality, once they get on land, they can secure a foothold and they can make their way out. In your lives, temptation and compromise, the battle needs to remain in the water. Because compromise is giving a little part of the beach. It's giving a little part of the coast into your life. But it's giving a foothold. It's giving an opportunity for the enemy to, to build a stronghold in your life. To be able to move out even farther into your own life. I remember when I went to Portland State. Now, I had never drank in my life. Um, I had never been around alcohol. Um, my older brothers drank underage. But I only heard of it. And I made a decision not to do that myself. And I remember going off to college, and I was friends with the players on the team, and we hung out for the first time with them, and out comes alcohol, and out comes drugs. Now, I'd never been in a situation like this before, and one of the things that they asked me, they're like, you want some? You know, you want to drink? You want to smoke? And in that moment, I'm like, no. And literally, I was like, I believe in Jesus, is what I told them in that moment. And you want to know what they said? They weren't like you're stupid, or you're a loser, or anything like that, or, oh, you can't be our friend because you're judging us. You want to know what they did? They went, fine, that's cool. And they continued on. They continued on to have fun. They, they smoked and they drank. And I was like, yeah, like this isn't so hard. But what began to happen over the course of that year is that they began to grow closer as friends. They seemed to be having a lot of fun together, not just at the times that they were hanging out, but throughout the day at practices. I felt like this kind of black sheep on the team that didn't have any fun or people didn't see as fun. They saw as less as they intended to do that to me, but it just was all of a sudden I felt like I really wanted to fit in, like I really wanted their approval. And so I remember thinking, well, maybe it wouldn't hurt if I went and hung out with them once. Compromise number one. Began hanging out with them knowing very well much what they were going to do. Put myself in that situation and then I go, well, maybe, maybe I'll just drink a little bit. Just, just to show them that, like, I can be cool or I can have their approval and so I drink. And all of a sudden, they're like, Jeff. And they, they get excited. And all of a sudden, I felt really loved in that moment. Like, they liked me and they thought I was cool, like I was able to do this. And I'm like... Okay, well, I'm not going to do it anymore. But it only continued to lead to more compromise. And before I knew it, I found myself in this place where I was drinking regularly um, with them. I was partying with them. But it didn't happen overnight. That's the thing that's funny about it. I didn't wake up one day and was like, all right, I'm drinking. End of story. But it happened little decision by little decision. And your little decisions become your big decisions that you ultimately make. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you're like, you did something, you said something, you treated someone, and it's like you stopped in your tracks and you were like, I would have never done that a year ago. Why did I do that? Or you're like worried about something, you're like, you know, 
I would have never cared about my social media this much a year ago. You know, or I would have never been this rude to this person a year ago. When did this happen? It's the little decisions that begin to happen. But ultimately, it's part of something greater that happens. Because can I ask you guys something? Did I drink because I like beer? No. I drank because I wanted the approval of someone. People don't sin because they want to sin. People sin because they want to fit in somewhere. And if that's what it takes to fit in, they'll do that. They'll see the compromise. They'll make it. But the problem with that is that along the way of seeking the approval of either people or circumstances or culture is when you drop Jesus along the way. Being different from others isn't something to hold against the world. But in fact, I would say this, that being different can be looked at as a negative thing, but it's not a loss, it's a game. It's all about how you look at it. Being different in the Lord isn't something that you just lose for the world. You lose this much, but you gain this much in Christ. You gain more than what you lose by sacrificing what you would to the world. In fact, that's the beauty of it, that we carry around a difference about us, even though we are present in the world. Look at Jesus in the way that he spent time with people who were considered the outcast and the wicked of the day. Jesus didn't shy away from them. Yet, Jesus was different even among them. Among the most wicked of people, here he was, eating dinner with them, spotless and sinless and perfect as God could be in their presence. And you know what that instilled to the people around them? Hope. It instilled belief. Here is someone who is perfect and sinless, but he loves me and he's reaching out to me. God wants me. God, who's perfect, wants me. You could see evidence of a godly life in Jesus and that inspired people to come to the Lord and get rid of their sin. To be holy in Jesus. It's the same inspiration that we give to the people around us because this is a world that is crying out for Christ and crying out for the hope of who he is. One of the things that I noticed about a lot of my teammates when I was in college I reached a point where I, I met the Lord, and I, the Lord convicted me in that. And I had to repent. I had to apologize to my teammates for my own beliefs. But one of the things that God began to really sober up in my attitude and mindset was this. The reason that they go to drink and to party is they're trying to fill a Jesus-sized hole in their life. They're looking for something that only Jesus can fulfill. What are you trying to fill in your life? What are you trying to compromise? What have you compromised in your life? When you look at this passage and you ask the question, how do you live in the world, but how do you not compromise yourself? How are you spotless and sinless and innocent, but not ignorant at the same time? How do you live in a sinful, evil world, but rise above it, even as you're present among it? How would you go to a place like school how would you reach out to sinful people, people who don't believe in Jesus necessarily, and love them, yet remain true to yourself? Well, I think it starts with this. Jesus speaks a lot of this in this passage. It's, it starts with the Word, and it starts with trusting God's Word. Many times, we've, and I've talked about that God's Word is like a foundation, but it's many more things. You know what's interesting? If you want to read an interesting story in the Bible, read Matthew 4. Or Luke 4, it's the same story. When Jesus is tempted by Satan, Jesus was truly human in every way that he was being tempted the same way that 
We all are. That's, that's encouraging stuff. But literally, when Jesus is talking back to Satan, as he tempts him to compromise himself, he doesn't speak beyond Scripture. He doesn't speak beyond God's Word. Because there's nothing that can stand against God's Word. Do you know that if you fight the enemy with your opinion, you'll never win? Do you know if you fight the enemy with your own perspective and just experiences, it may not hold up against it. It won't. It's the truth of God's Word, which is why he says... Sanctify them by what? The truth. And then he says, your word is truth. Your word is the thing that sanctifies each and every one of us. And ultimately, I just want to give you these three points about the word and how it makes us present and different in the world and truly at peace with who we are, even amidst um, the fullness of what this world is like. The first um, point is this. God's word is our, it's our safety and it's our protection. Verse 15 spoke to that, that it's my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. There's another passage in John 15, 11, where Jesus says, protect them by my holy name, that it's God's word and it's God's name is the only thing that can protect you. You can't protect yourself in this world. Did you know that? No matter how hard you try, no matter how much we try to distance ourselves, that the only thing that can protect you from falling into sin and compromising yourself, is God's word. Amen? God's word and God's truth. And the way that he explains that is that when you choose to trust in God's word, I'm not just saying read the Bible. What I'm saying is what God has spoken over you, God's purpose that we're called to trust in and pursue and learn in faith, that when you trust in that and you choose to live your life in faith, that ultimately it works as a protection around you that protects you from this world and from the evil one. Because people aren't our enemy. It's the evil one who's our enemy, all right? And what it says is that when we look at God and we say, you know what, God, I don't want to obey you, at least in this way. I want to change the way that I obey you. I want to switch up a couple things and do this my way, but not follow you this way. That what it, Jesus has said is he goes, red alert, red alert. You are walking out of my protection, like, you have now walked out past the border, and now you are not in my house anymore, and you are susceptible to being hurt. That's why God is so serious about his word, because when we remain in his house and in his word, we are protected by him. What the word says is that he spreads his protection around us like wings. Like, he watches over us at night, is what the word says, too, when we sleep. And it says God doesn't sleep, because he's busy watching over us and protecting us through his word. The word acts as a protection, but it's ultimately in our heart to choose to trust in God's word. The other side of it is God's word is our identity. We're set apart for a sacred purpose, ultimately to be made holy. And that's something you pursue. Nobody knows their full purpose except God himself. And when he chooses to reveal it, we talked a lot about that even earlier in this series where your purpose isn't just what you do. It's not just the job description in your life. Purpose is how you were made and how God has made you, your character, your values, your heart, no matter what circumstance, no matter what kind of system or place or season that you find yourself in, that you are living out the fullness of your purpose no matter what because God's revealing it to your heart. But here's the thing. Everyone is looking for purpose. Everyone is looking to have an identity in this world, whether they look for it in Jesus or not. For me, my identity was in being approved by my teammates. 
to be respected by them. And I sacrificed Jesus along the way. See, I was seeking identity and purpose, but just in the wrong place. And oftentimes that's where it goes wrong. It's not just in the stumbling in itself, but it's in the identity and the purpose that you're seeking in that. So where are you seeking identity? Who are you seeking to please in this world? It's a good question to ask yourself. And then the last point I would just say is this. God's word is our full enjoyment of life. Verse 13 in the beginning of this passage, I want you to read it with me. He says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world. So that, say so that with me. Jesus says, I'm telling you these things. There is a reason behind it. So that, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Translate, 2017 American English. This is what he says. The reason I'm telling you guys these things is so that you'll like life. That you'll actually enjoy it. Jesus is saying, my word has set you up to enjoy life in the absolute best way. When you go after those things, no matter how you feel about it or how much enjoyment you might think are in those things, it will leave you empty. It will hurt you. It will not be enjoyable. This is enjoyable whether you can see it or not. But this is a matter of faith. That's a matter of flesh. See, going after approval in this world, going after the things of this world, is a matter of satisfying the flesh in the immediate. But when God says, you will follow me and you'll trust my word, that's a matter of satisfying your soul for the eternal. Amen? That's what God wants for each and every one of us. I'm going to invite Jordan and the worship team back up as we respond. But I'm going to ask that you guys close your Bibles, turn off your phones, put them away. Do what you got to do. I'm going to invite Cassandra up. She's going to lead us in our response this morning. Can you guys welcome Cassandra? Hi, guys. So uh, recently, uh, the Lord has just kind of been calling me up in um, just the way that I've been living and that, um, like Jeff was talking about, um, we aren't called to... um, walk higher or think we're better than those who don't follow Jesus, but we're called to just, um, live in a different way. We're called to live, um, kind of in a higher standard, but still we're in this world and we're, um, called to love those around us. And God's just kind of been teaching me just, um, how different he wants us to live. He doesn't want us to settle for the things that, um, the world thinks is, Um, enjoyable or fun or whatever because they're so temporary and he has such um he has so much more in store for us he doesn't want us to live in the temporary things that the world enjoys and has and i think um another thing that's so important um for you guys that i don't think we ever fully really understand but um just that God has such a high calling for us and that when we turn our identity to him, then he shows us that calling. And it's so easy to put our identity in um, social media, the clothes we wear, the technology we have, even um, just the guys or girls that may you may be interested in. It's so easy to put your identity in that and think that your worth comes from that, but it doesn't. It's so much more. And God is so... Um, 
he's so in love with you and he's so excited for when you do turn away from the things of the world. Um, And so as we go into this song, it talks about how God made beautiful things from nothing and he made us um, so beautiful and he has so much pride in who we are. And as we go into this song, I just invite you guys to really um, be open to listening to God and what he might be calling um, you to turn away from and what he might be calling you to just identify as like you've been claiming something as an identity that he doesn't want you to hold on to anymore. He wants um, him to be your identity. So go ahead and stand up with me um, as we go into this song.